Okay, we're in Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. And last week we had covered a lot of ground on, on uh, the way the Jews really felt about the Gentiles coming to faith. They weren't terribly excited about this, but they put up with it. And the way Peter handled controversy is what we looked at. But something I want to talk about today, a little, little bit different sort of topic, is this whole area of hearing from God and the Spirit speaking to us. If you look in chapter 11, verse 5, Peter says, I was in the city of, of Joppa praying and in a trance, and I saw a vision, an object coming down like a great sheet lowered by four corners from the sky, and it came right down and it came right down to me. Okay, so God is communicating to Peter in a vision. And then in, in verse 7 it says, I also heard a voice saying to me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. So God speaks to Peter in a vision. He speaks to Peter in what Peter describes as an audible voice. A voice was speaking to me. He doesn't say it was you know, a silent sort of thing. He says a voice spoke to me. And we've seen that sort of thing in Scripture before. But then in verse 12, it says, The Spirit told me to get up without misgivings. These six brethren also went with me, and we entered the man's house. So the Spirit then told him. He doesn't describe this as a voice, but he describes it as the Spirit told him. And then look in verse 16. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he used to say, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so this time, he's saying that I remembered a scripture that seemed to underscore the situation that I'm in, and it spoke to me what I should do. That scripture, that, that teaching by God had spoken to me, and in verse 18, when I heard, the, when they, uh, I'm sorry, um, verse Verse uh, 17, Therefore, if God gave them the same gift as He gave to us also after believing in the Lord, who was I that I could stand in God's way? And then if you look back in chapter 10, verse 48, And He ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay, so the Scripture, the verse, He had remembered something that Jesus had taught them. Jesus had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus told the disciples, after I'm gone, the Spirit will bring to you remembrance all the things that I've instructed you. So sometimes we wonder, how did they piece this together? Because now he had died. How did they remember all the things that they had said? Were they taking notes at that moment? No, Jesus said, the Spirit will bring to you remembrance the things that I instructed you. So here, on this occasion, the Spirit is bringing to, to Peter's remembrance something that Jesus had instructed them. So we see that there was a vision, there was a voice, there was the Spirit speaking, and there was the recalling of God's Word. There are these mechanisms by which God speaks. The vision and the voice are less common but not totally uncommon. The Spirit speaking within the Scriptures is a lot more common, as is the recounting of what the Scriptures had said. That is very common for instruction in Scripture. And the Spirit does speak. And I'll tell you, this is, this is an area that's a little bit 
You know, it, it, it's a little bit funny for me sometimes because here is Joe Scientist and he's talking about the Spirit speaking. But there is a spiritual realm that the Bible guarantees us of that we can't normally see, we can't normally touch, but is very active and very real. And if you want you know, some, some glitzy science analogy, if you consider the electromagnetic spectrum, it is very broad. We see in a very small part, that is the visible light spectrum. It's about from 400 nanometers to about 800 nanometers. That's all that we see. Beyond this, there's this whole world that we don't see. For example, the near-infrared, the infrared, the ultraviolet, the deep ultraviolet, the X-ray, the gamma ray. On the other side, the microwave, the radio waves. We don't see or feel any of those. You don't feel radio waves. You put up, put, oh, turn on a radio, and it'll be playing. And you have a little antenna, so there are radio waves hitting that antenna. They're hitting you just like they're hitting that antenna. But you don't feel them. There's, there's no way for us to sense them. So there is a world around us, in a physical world, the electromagnetic spectrum, that's all around us that we can't see or hear in. It is analogous to a spiritual world that we don't normally see in, but the Scripture tells us it is true, it is there. And as a believer, we have the opportunity to begin to tap into this. Sometimes we hear it wrong. Sometimes we misinterpret when people say things to us. You know, they're complimenting us and we get offended. Has that ever happened? You're complimenting somebody and they get offended. And it's happened to me. Somebody says something to compliment me and I, I take it offensively. Or I say something and people take it a totally different way than the way I said it. Or I thought I said something, but I really said something different. We mix up in the physical world very often as well. So it's not unnatural that we should also mix up in the spiritual world. But that doesn't negate what is happening in the spiritual world. Look in, 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 uh, in, just turn over a few chapters to Acts chapter 16. If you look in Acts chapter 16, Paul is speaking in verse 6. Acts chapter 16, verse 6. They passed through uh, Phrygia and the Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak a word in Asia. So here, Paul was forbidden by the Holy Spirit to witness in Asia. Well, why is the Holy Spirit doing that? I thought the Holy Spirit wants us to go and share everywhere all the time. Well, no, he's, the Holy Spirit is being very specific with them. I don't want you to share here. I want you to go there. And it's very matter of fact. The Holy Spirit forbade them to speak in Asia. And it's almost as if we as believers should understand this, that the Holy Spirit speaks, that God speaks through the Holy Spirit. Look in Acts 16, verse 9 and 10. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So, Paul has a vision in the night. A man saying, come to Macedonia. And the Spirit was speaking through that vision. And again, it's very matter of fact. So, turn back to Acts chapter 11. 
Peter is giving an account to the Jerusalem council. And he says in verse 12 of chapter 11, The Spirit told me to go with them without misgivings. And they didn't go, The Spirit told you? Ah, Peter. No, to them, they understood the Spirit speaks. And so, if you look back in Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 10, Verse 19, while Peter was reflecting on the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you, but get up, go downstairs, and accompany them without misgivings, for I have sent them myself. So the Spirit spoke to Peter something very specific. He was reflecting on this vision that he had had, wondering what could this mean. Remember, it's a very strange vision, a sheet coming down, and animals in it, and God saying, kill and eat. This is very strange, isn't it? I mean, if somebody shared this with me, I'd be like, you know, this is, this is strange. It was strange for Peter, too. So strange, he was wondering, what could this mean? And then the Spirit begins to speak to him. Peter was really in tune with the spiritual world. And he says, go downstairs, and there's going to be these three men, and go with them. He doesn't tell them more. He doesn't say... Go with them because of this, this, this. You just give them a little snippet. And then if you look in Acts chapter 10, verse 34, says, Opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality, but in every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. So Peter didn't understand all of what was going on until he was now thrust into the middle of the situation. And he goes... Now I understand. Now I understand what God was trying to teach me through this vision. Now I understand why the Spirit was speaking to me to go with these men, because this is a big deal. God is going to open up the Gospel to the Gentiles. Now I behold. The Spirit does speak and does instruct. Now there is a community of believers, and just to give you a little background on myself, I was discipled initially in, in an, uh, uh, a Bible church that believed very much in the Bible. It was not a charismatic church, but it believed that all the spiritual gifts are active for today. And people would function in the spiritual gifts, but it was not a charismatic church. And in fact, many people in the, in the church were, were kind of opposed to the charismatic movement. But they never told me to be opposed, so I didn't know to be opposed. So then... I go to graduate school and I had been praying for months before I got to graduate school that God would lead me to the right church in graduate school because to me, church was very important. This was the life of the body of Christ to me. And I was praying for months and I remembered looking through the school newspaper that was sent to me over the summer of the graduate school I was going to and I saw this ad by this church and and, uh, it was called the Upper Room Christian Fellowship and then when I got to to that town, I returned the rental car and I was walking back and it was a Sunday morning and I saw this church, Upper Room Christian Fellowship, and I thought, that's the ad that caught my eye. Maybe this is the Spirit speaking. So I went up and I fellowshiped with them and it was, it was a charismatic fellowship, but I didn't know charismatic, non-charismatic. Remember, I came from a Jewish background. I didn't know there was all this diversity. 
You're in, in, in the synagogue, you hear the same message, no matter what synagogue you're in around the world, they're preaching the same message. Sort of like they do in the Catholic Church. It's, this, it's, it's a concerted message. And, and, and you, no matter which synagogue you go to, it's all there. It, it's, it's very much, you know what you're going to get. But I didn't know of the diversity in the church that you don't know what's behind those doors. And so I went in there and the singing was magnificent. I had never heard singing like that in the church that I had come from. Everything in the church I had come from was, was off tune and everything. It was just terrible. But this was this, was this tremendous charismatic worship service. And, and I was really struck and the people were nice. And I went back to my room and I prayed all week. Lord, if that's the church you want me to go to, I'll, I'll engage with them, but you have to show me. And then the, the next Sunday morning, before I had gone to church, I was on my knees praying and I was reading in the Scriptures and, and I was reading in the Gospels where I would left off the day before. And, and I said, Lord, am I supposed to be at that, at that fellowship, that upper room fellowship? And then I just began to read and God said to His disciples, Jesus said to His disciples, go and a man will show you an upper room, and there you are to have the Passover feast. Now, the name of that church was Upper Room Christian Fellowship. And it was like the peace of God just filled that room. I had been spoken to by the Spirit of God. And I knew I was to be part of that church. And I got involved in that church, and I was so excited about it and everything. And then I went back for vacation to my home church, where where I I had been discipled. And and I wasn't yet married, and... and, uh, Shireen was in that home church, and I shared with the pastor about the fellowship that I was in. And he began to understand that it was a charismatic fellowship. Well, he became very concerned about me. He became very concerned about their teachings. And I understand his concern. And then I began to describe to him how God had spoken to me through the newspaper ad through my seeing it, and then through the Scriptures, the very moment I was praying. And this was the man who taught me how to hear from God. And as I related this story to him, here was this pastor that cared deeply about me. He said, apparently God has spoken to you to attend that church, so you'd better keep attending. And so he was able to put aside his own feelings about the charismatic community and say, God clearly spoke to this young man. And then, the, the, you know, eight months later, after that school year, Shireen and I got married. She came and, and, and was with me in that town. We attended that church. We were so blessed, so blessed. We went to California, and we were in the Vineyard Church, which is not charismatic, nor is it not charismatic. It's somewhere in, in between. And then we, went to, we moved to South Carolina, and we were there for 11 years, and we were in a... Southern Baptist Charismatic Church. You know, how's that for a great combination? And, and uh, God blessed us and spoke to us through that time. And here we're in a church that is probably less charismatic now. So we've been able to flow in all the domains. And because of this, nobody is happy with my walk. I'm too charismatic for the non-charismatics. And I'm not charismatic enough for the charismatics. But I'm really content... With, with, with where I am. I'm really content with that. And so, let, let me show you a verse that is often used to say that these things are not for today. And remember, I am very big 
at taking the Scriptures for what they say and not inserting something for what it doesn't say. So we have to see what the Scriptures are saying. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's this chapter on love. And, and, and Paul is talking about how love supersedes everything. Then he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8, Love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I have been fully known. But now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. So people will take this portion and they will say, you see, all those gifts are done away with when the perfect comes. I said, agreed. It says, for we know a part, we prophesy in part. For now we see in a mirror dimly, in verse 12, but then face to face. Uh, um, in verse 10, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. And what's handed to me is the Scriptures. And I love the Scriptures. And they say, the perfect has come, the partial has been done away, the gifts have been done away with, because the perfect word has come. I said, where does it say the Scriptures? It says, when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. The perfect that I see, it says, coming, is that when we see the Lord face to face... In verse 12, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I have been fully known. When we see him face to face, when he returns, the partial will be done away with. Remember, there are no chapters and verses in the letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, right? It's all one document. Chapter 14, verse 1, pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts. Desire them earnestly, it says. On this basis, many will say all the gifts have been done away with. I don't think so. If you think so, that is fine. You can keep believing whatever you want to believe. I'm not here to change anybody's opinion. But it's on this basis, Paul says, desire earnestly the spiritual gifts. If there is something that I feel that I have not imparted well enough to this class, it is the ability to hear from God through His Spirit. And that's because I'm this buttoned-up professor who teaches science. And there's this ethereal thing that it's hard for me to grasp and put it in front of you and say, take hold of it. It's much easier for me to say, take hold of this word and meditate on it. But the Spirit speaks. Peter says the Spirit spoke to him and people don't look at Peter as if he's weird. It's very matter-of-fact. The Spirit speaks. People will say, well, there's lots of dangers with that because people can hear all sorts of things. Agreed. Agreed. There are lots of dangers. There's lots of dangers in, 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 in prayer meetings. Because sometimes in prayer meetings, people gossip. Oh, sister so-and-so, Lord, you know what she's been doing. You know, and gossip goes on in prayer meetings, so prayer can be abused. So let's not pray. Because prayer can be abused. Offerings can be abused. Giving to missionaries can be abused. Because some people will give to missionaries a lot of money in a way to try to influence that missionary. That happens sometimes. So let's not give to missionaries because it can be abused, right? Of course not. 
Hearing from God through the Spirit can be abused, has been abused. I've heard wrong. I've interpreted scriptures wrongly. I've taught scripture wrongly that I've interpreted wrongly, that at the time I thought I was interpreting it rightly. But then as I learned more and put it in other contexts, I realized that, gulp, I taught it wrong. But God understands my heart. So I taught it wrongly, so I should never teach again, right? Well, then who are you going to listen to? Everybody makes mistakes. God communicates through His Spirit. Let me give you um, an instance that that happened just this week, for example. Last Friday, not not this past Friday, so a week ago Friday, I was in a meeting, and it was a very intense meeting, and I lost my temper, and I was with pretty high-level hotshots in the university. I was with the provost, who's the guy right under the president, and I was with the university legal counsel. I was with the vice provost for research, and I was with the head of the Office of Technology. And they said something in the meeting, and it just set me off. I mean, I was... And I, I raised my voice, and I said, well, why did you even invite me here? If it's off the table, why did you even invite me here? Just tell me it's off the table. We're not here to discuss, then you just told me what we can't do. And then... I caught myself. They explained themselves. And I said, oh, that makes sense. Now I understand why we can't do that. That makes entirely good sense. And I left that meeting and we were all friends. But when I walked out of that meeting, I knew that I was different. That I am not allowed to lose my temper in a setting like that. And I knew that weekend that I had to go back and I had committed to going back and apologizing to them. And on Monday, I was traveling on Tuesday, I had, I had outside visitors at the university all day. So on, on uh, uh, early Monday morning, while I was on travel, I sent, because I had left su- Sunday evening, I sent an email to the legal counsel, university legal counsel, because it was to him that I really lost my temper. You know, it's understandable. He's a lawyer. And, and I... This is just a joke, okay? It was just a joke. And... and um, uh, I sent him a message. I said, I want to come to your office and apologize to you. I said, please allow me to do this. I will be free on Wednesday. Can I come by Wednesday morning? He says, you really don't have to. I emailed back, I would like to. Please allow me to. It was important for me to go face-to-face, not to just send him some impersonal email. And I went to his office on Wednesday morning, at the time set aside, and I shook his hand. I apologized for what I did. I said, I am sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. I should not have lost my temper. I could have said what I wanted to say in a far more civil manner. And he said, you know, it's quite all right. I understand you're a very passionate sort of guy. And, 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 and we were friends again. And then I went to the office of the, of the woman who's in charge of technology transfer. And I apologized to her for my outburst in that meeting. Even though it wasn't toward her, it was to the Lord. I apologized to her. Then I went to the provost's office and I caught him and I apologized to him. He says, no, he says, he says, you got the passions out, and then we had a very level-headed discussion. I said, thank you. And then the, the last guy was the vice provost. He was out of town on Wednesday, but I saw him Thursday. And I, in person, apologized. I had to do that. That morning, that Wednesday morning, knowing that I had to do that, you know, I, it wasn't like, oh, I think I'll skip to work today because I get to apologize to everybody. No, it was not like that. I mean, I, I felt the same thing that everybody else feels. And that morning, I was reading in Proverbs, and, and uh, 
And I was reading the scriptures that I was working out, and, and Caroline was next to me, and I had this, this, this spirit just spoke to me through the scriptures. And I was, I was reading in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 9, and I read an NIV Bible in, in, in the gym. I read a New American Standard Bible at home. But the NIV says, Proverbs 14, verse 9, Fools mock at making amends for sin. And God was just speaking to me. Don't try to, to belittle this. You're going and making amends for sin. This is a big deal. Fools mock at making amends for sin. And so it, it was, the Spirit just spoke to me through the Scriptures that what you're doing is right. That was in Proverbs 14, verse 9. Let me, let me give you another experience that really shook this, this science professor to his core. There was this revival that was going on in our church in South Carolina, this charismatic church. And, you know, this preacher came in and he was talking about, you know, sometimes when the Spirit moves, fire alarms go off in the place. Because the Spirit is just moving. Fire alarms even have gone off in some of his meetings. The fire alarms didn't go off in our church or anything. And I'm thinking, come on. I mean, somebody pulled the alarm to, you know, you know there was some confederate there and he's doing it. And it was, it, was, it was all done this way. And so I'm rationalizing this thing. There was this woman named Janet in the church who was so touched, so blessed by this, this revival that was going on for like a week in the church. And I was, I'd come every night just to be with Shireen, because Shireen was really into this, and I was a lot less into it. But, but I'm a good husband, and I'd accompany her, and I'd kind of watch this thing. And, and to me, it was this hocus-pocus sort of stuff, and I wasn't into it. Well, Janet came over our house one day during that revival, and she was just so on fire and so excited. And Shireen and I were, we, we had a 1,500 square foot house, and we had four kids, and so we to much smaller confines than what we had now. It was a ranch house, and, and Shireen and I were doing something. We were, we were, I don't know, working in the bedroom, and so Janet came back toward the bedroom, and she was talking with us. And she was standing there talking about, you know, how great this revival was, and Shireen was going on and on about this. And Janet was standing underneath the, fire, the smoke detector in the house. And the smoke detector went off. And it just didn't, it didn't just go beep like the battery was bad. It went off and was going. And Janet, standing underneath this thing, you say, well, the battery's bad. No, this was a hardwired one into the power of the house. And all the other electricity in the house was working fine. And this fire alarm was going off, and she was standing right underneath. And she bursts out laughing. Here's Mr. Scientist looking at this thing. I had doubted that, you know, I thought this guy is hocus-pocus, it's, it's smoke and mirrors, and, and God is just shaking me to my core. And I'm looking at her and looking at this, this, this smoke detector going off, and I put my hands on Janet's shoulders and I walk her back about ten feet, and the thing goes off. The thing stops making noise. You know, if you get too excited about your position and you think you have God figured out. He's going to do something to shake you, Mr. Scientist, or Miss Engineer, to your very core, to show you that His Spirit does whatever He desires and can speak to people in many diverse ways. And this isn't the only thing that God has shown me in my life and, and, and kind of shaken up my scientific background to say, hey, God is able to work by His Spirit. He speaks by His Spirit in the Scriptures. The Spirit speaking is very matter-of-fact. Paul says, 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, Pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Do I desire earnestly the spiritual gifts? Is this my desire? The Bible says I'm to desire this earnestly. The Spirit speaks. And remember, I feel that I have not communicated well enough that God is able to speak by His Spirit. It has been described to me early on in my walk by the man who has influenced me most in my Christian life as a still, small voice that directs us. And it is good to have accountability because, remember, Peter didn't hear from the Spirit and then just say, guys, you have no reason to question me. I heard from the Spirit. And that's that. He didn't do that. He submitted the message to them. He says, this is what the Spirit told me. He submitted it to them and then they ended up agreeing with him. Well, then God has brought salvation to the Gentiles. Remember, Paul took his message that was given to him and he submitted it to the church in Jerusalem. This is where we need accountability because sometimes we hear God wrong. Sometimes we really do and we need people to bounce us off of. What do you think of this? We're accountable one to another. What do you think of this? Because it is easy to hear God wrongly. It's easy to hear others wrongly in messages. It's easy to misinterpret. And even more so when we're listening to the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for Your Word and I thank You for these precious, precious young people. And Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you touch and move in their lives, that they would learn to hear that still, small voice of the Spirit instructing them, that they would receive confirmations from others, confirmations from situations around them, like Peter did, and confirmations from the Scriptures, from the very Word of God. And Father, all the ways you confirmed to Peter what you were saying... Father, teach us to hear of Your Spirit and not to neglect those or disregard the speaking of the Spirit which You have for Your children. Father, thank You. In the name of Jesus. Amen.